co-host Rebecca. And I'm your co-host Rach. Welcome to another episode of Ember Island Sayers. This week we're talking about Season 2, Episode 17, Lake Guy. As the gang continue their search for Appa, Judy returns from a supposed vacation in a place called Lake Guy. Meanwhile, Zuko struggles with his destiny. As always. <laughs> I was going to say much struggling for Zuko, but you're right, as always. What else is new? Before we get to Zuko's struggles with his destiny, we have a little shout out that we wanted to do this podcast. Yes, we do. Because this is... It is going to be airing, hopefully, on or around February 14th. Yeah, depending on how I feel about <laughs> Yes, yes. February 14th is a very special day because, obviously, it's Britney's birthday. Right. There's no other holiday going on. No, no. It's Britney's birthday. That's why it's important. Yes. So, Britney, we just wanted to say happy birthday to you. Yeah, we just wanted to say we hope you have a good day. And thank you so much for everything you do for us. You're a great friend. <laughs> yes, yes, truly. A great friend of the show and of us. Yes. <laughs> and there's one more thing, which is that um, I have this little poem that was written for your birthday um, by Aang. So I wanted to read it out. He sent it into the show. He didn't have time to read it himself because, you know, busy looking for Appa. But... Yeah, yeah. Dear Brittany, when I started this poem, Sokka tried to help me. He left when he realized it wasn't a haiku. I guess his instincts told him he had other things to do. Appa and Momo were a bit of a distraction. Momo started chittering and I laughed at Appa's reaction. Thankfully, that was when Katara came in. She kissed me on the cheek and made me grin. I explained I was writing a poem for your birthday. She liked the idea, even if Toph said it was a cliché. So we wrote this together to say that you're great. And after you've spent the day with Copper, your best mate, I hope that when you hear this, it brings you some joy. Yours sincerely, the boy. Open parentheses in the iceberg. Close parentheses. <laughs> so I hope you enjoy that one, Brittany. And uh, yeah, have a good one. Yeah, thanks, Aang, for sending that in. He's very thoughtful. <laughs> that he is. Well, the poetry doesn't stop there. <laughs> We've kind of gone a bit poetry uh, mad, I'd say, but that's okay. The poetry has taken over. <laughs> We've been possessed by the poetry. <laughs> so yes, it's just time for... Sokka's Poetry Society. Uh, I was very excited when I came up with an idea for this poem because I was actually inspired by a poem that Rach wrote. Oh, I love being an inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it's actually inspired by your poem in the episode City of Wars and Secrets. Mm, okay. Mine does not have production values, but it is also from the point of view of the same character as that poem. All right. And it's kind of a similar rhyming type situation, so I hope you will enjoy it. I'm ready. Here goes. The Earth King has invited you to Lake Laogai. You have no choice but to comply. Freedom only exists in the mind's eye. There is honour that only acceptance can supply. Do your duty, that's what he said. So why can't you ignore these other thoughts in your head? I'm your friend, that's what he told me. When I close my eyes, are those friends that I see? 
Inside my heart, there are faces I begin to identify, those I carried with me long after we said goodbye. If I fight back now, I might lose. I might even die. But I don't give a damn about Lake Laogai. Oh. <laughs> my heart. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's so weird because I feel like we started off this podcast and I didn't really care about Jet at all. And I've really been developing a soft spot for him over this podcast. And I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> but that was really good. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you liked it. Yes, we will talk a lot about Jet, I think, um, in this episode. Oh, yes. <laughs> it is, yeah, it's a dizzy. And I guess let's jump into it. This episode is the first one we've had in a while where the structure is just, like, straightforward. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's kind of gone back to, like, flip and flop between the gang and Zuko and Iroh. Yeah, because even though he doesn't directly interact with the gang, his story does. Mm. Yeah, it makes sense. It's kind of woven throughout the gang story, so. So let's start off then with uh, some terrible artwork. Oh my gosh, Sokka, why? Why do you insist? (laughs) He's so bad, and we knew this already, of course. I just think it's so funny that... Like, he keeps trying in spite of it all. I mean, good for him, you know. He's not giving up, but... He's good at plenty of other things. Right. (laughs) So, yeah, maybe he should focus more on the things he is good at. But, you know, if it brings him joy... That's true. Who are we to say? He didn't seem to be, like, very happy about it, though. He was concentrating (laughs) very hard. He's trying to make these posters uh, because they're wanting to put up posters to search for Appa. But very quickly... Katara and Aang come in, and they've had a professional poster made. I don't know who by, but whoever it was, they did a very good job. They did. They decide that they want to use these posters instead of <laughs> Sokka's, which Sokka's a bit upset about. He is. I, I, I thought it was funny that he was like, I thought it was my job to do this. And I'm like, well, who put you in charge of that? Because it certainly wasn't anyone else in the gang. Maybe Toph <laughs> would put him up to it. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. Well, we also know that Sokka has a history of, like, wanting to be useful. Mm. So maybe he was just like, I'll do it. I'll help you guys. And Katara and Aang were just like, okay. <laughs> and they just snuck out. <laughs> they were like, no, that's not going to work. No. <laughs> Nobody will find Appa uh, based on his drawings. They have a very nice poster and then they head out to put up those posters around town. Yeah. Aang just kind of litters the city with them. <laughs> yep, yep. I mean, you know, he wants to find his his boy. I know. It's just paper. <laughs> it's biodegradable. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they are going out and about in the city, and then we get to see some other people who are kind of minding their own business in the city. Yeah, it's back to the tea shop and... I don't know why these rich people decided to come down to the lower ring. I guess Iroh's tea was that legendary that they came down to check it out. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, it might be like kind of like a gentrification type thing. But they are very impressed by Iroh's tea, which is understandable because it's Iroh. Yeah, so much so that they offer to give him his own tea shop. Yes, yes, which again, he deserves. 
Although he's still going by Mushi, <laughs> which I'm just like, how long is he going to have to go by Mushi? Is it going to have to be the rest of his life? I guess so. It's... He made his bed. <laughs> Actually, it was Zuko, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But like we said, he could have changed that back when he talked to the White Lotus, but he he didn't. <laughs> Maybe he didn't want to insult Zuko. <laughs> yeah, so he's going to potentially be uh, mushy in charge of his own tea shop. I did feel bad for Pal, the owner of the tea shop, because I was like, well, there goes his business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Maybe Iroh can give him some tips. Aw. I hope so. I'll just make tea with love from now on. <laughs> yes, yes, the secret ingredient is love. Yes. Ira is very excited about this, understandably. Zuko is not. No, he just goes storming out of the tea shop because I think one of the rich people is like, Your life is gonna change and he's like, oh, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I mean it is just Zuko's personality to just be annoyed all the time. But I do think it kind of sucks here because, like, if it was the other way around, Iroh would be so happy for him. Yeah, that's true. If he was getting something that he, like, really wanted. And again, I know Zuko is a kid, so he maybe doesn't have that realization yet. But, you know, I feel like he should be a little bit more empathetic. Yeah, he's he's just too busy thinking about his Fire Nation life because serving tea and living in a tea shop is not great in comparison but at the same time you need to count life's little blessings because you're not dead (laughs) exactly exactly it could be a lot worse he honestly has like a very chill life like i would be happy with that life honestly (laughs) yeah yeah he even had a nice date a few episodes ago (laughs) Met a cute, cool girl. He could leave that all behind. Or, like, leave his old ways behind, I mean. But no, instead he sees a flyer of Appa, which is one of the ones that Aang has been, you know, basically littering the town with. And he is back on his, uh, word that I can't say on <laughs> I was listening with headphones this time. I was like, I need to do that from now on. And I was really struck by how good the music is again because there's this very climactic piece when Zuko found the poster of Appa and I thought they did a really good job building on emotion in this episode with the music. Cool observation. Yeah, that's something that as we've talked about, it's something that I tend to not notice like first time round. The first time it might be more of a subconscious thing. I agree. Yeah, so he is now seemingly at least interested in figuring out what is going on. Yeah, it also just struck me too that, you know, he talks a lot about his destiny and this episode, and he probably was thinking like, oh, the Avatar's in Ba Sing Se, and so am I. Like, this has to be, like, put in my path for a reason sort of thing, because that's the way he would justify it. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, he is very fixated on this idea of, like, there are certain things that he has to do. Mm-hmm. I think that is one of the reasons why he's not very open to any other paths. So we go then back to the gang, who are back in their little house. 
Aang is being extremely impatient. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't blame him, honestly. No. He's been pretty patient up to this point. <laughs> that's true, that's true, yeah. And meanwhile, uh, Sokka and Katara are playing some kind of card game, which I thought was cool. I wonder what it is. I have no idea, but um, I thought that was neat. Yeah, it just made me think that Judy or the Daily or whoever has, like, provided them with things to do to, like, kind of distract them in the house. <laughs> like, here's this card game, guys. <laughs> you don't want to go outside, right? <laughs> don't be suspicious. No, don't be suspicious. Exactly. But poor Toph can't even play, so I think Toph is definitely the most bored out of all of them. She's just laying there. <laughs> yeah, well, I thought she looked like, because um, she's like on her back and she's like flipping something. I don't know what it is in the air. And it reminded me of Loki in uh, Thor the Dark World, where he's in his prison cell and he has his little cup and he's just like flipping it into the air. And I was like, oh my God, it's just like Loki being bored in prison. <laughs> Basically, yeah. And then Aang, he does take Katara's advice. <laughs> For two seconds. Well, he kind of just like sits down and is like, okay, I'll be patient. And then there's a knock on the door two seconds later. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I loved him being like, patience really pays off. So cute. <laughs> Unfortunately, the knock on the door is not anyone who is going to tell them anything about Appa. It is the old, new, or new, old Judy. <laughs> Judy... 1.5. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, she's back. Ooh. Yay, we're so excited. She continues to have that terrifying smile the whole time. Yeah, she's kind of trying to get back in their good graces because she realizes they don't trust her anymore. And they ask her, like, where were you kind of thing and she mentions this is the first time that we hear somebody say oh you know i was on vacation in lake laogai this already kind of you know made me suspicious uh even though she was trying to make me not suspicious <laughs> uh it made me suspicious because i was like oh i wonder if lake laogai is where they do the brainwashing because we knew already that they did brainwash people like we saw that with jet so i think it's pretty kind of clear here the way it's laid out that like oh you know these things are all like connecting to each other yeah so she tells them you know it's not permitted to have posters within the city and it's funny because they already dropped like 500 of them so what are you gonna do about it Judy? <laughs> too late <laughs> and ang kind of loses it on her i said you wouldn't like him when he's angry <laughs> Which is one of the Aang emojis in the Discord chat, if y'all want to join. <laughs> Plug for the Discord chat, yes. Yeah, he's really funny in this scene because he just loses it and uh, he tells her that they are past asking for permission. Yeah, and you know what? Good for him. Fair, to be honest. Like, yeah. If that was my pet, you know, I would probably have the same reaction. Yeah, and, like, they've already spent a lot of time, you know, just waiting around, so I feel like he's probably pretty sick of it. Especially since he knows now, like, Long Fang knows where Appa is, so it's just like, okay, I'm not playing by your rules anymore. Right, right. They basically just ignore her completely. <laughs> they slam the door in her face. Yeah, yeah, and Sokka has a great line, which is a, that might come back to bite us in the blubber. 
I just like these like swear words that are not actually swear words. Yes. I think they're really funny. <laughs> they are. They basically make the decision that they're going to look for Appa anyway. Yep. And then Toph is very excited about this. <laughs> so much so that she breaks down an entire wall in their house. I thought that was so funny because she broke down the wall and then they still went out the front door. <laughs> I didn't notice that. That's hilarious. I was like, what? And, like, nobody blinked an eye. They were just like, okay, tough, whatever. Have your fun. There's an X-Men team that existed back in the 80s. They still exist now, but it's different members that are on the team. It was called X-Factor. I know about this because I listened to the podcast Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men, and they make a lot of jokes about this, but <laughs> X-Factor had this thing where they could never, like, just walk through a door. They just had to, like, <laughs> break down a whole wall to get into anywhere. <laughs> would love that she'd be such a good member of that team <laughs> right she would be so good on x-factor <laughs> we move from them we actually kind of follow judy mm. who goes back to long feng and this is when we get a little bit more information about um as you said rach she kind of has realized that they don't trust her mm -hmm. yeah he's very disappointed with her too and he's like telling her you know you're not doing good work here, Judy. And she seems very scared of him. Yeah, yeah, she does. Uh, and you see her expressions change in this scene, which is interesting, because we don't normally see that mm, Yeah, very often. She's no longer smiling. <laughs> no. <laughs> and this is when we first hear the phrase, the Earth King has invited you to Lake Laogai. Mm-hmm. And then her pupils get all wide, and you can tell, you know, okay, that's the phrase. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like a trigger phrase. It reminded me of the trigger words that they say to Bucky in the Marvel movies that turn him into the Winter Soldier. Because there's like a list of words, and like, I think they are tied to his brainwashing as well. It seems pretty similar to that. Yeah, yeah. I do have quite a few notes on this, so... <laughs> cool, cool. I'm interested to hear them. Yeah, so uh, this is a really interesting, I think, allegory that they use in the show. And Laogai is short for a real thing, which is Laodong Gaizao, which means reform through labor. And it is a criminal justice system in the People's Republic of China, which involves the use of penal labor and prison farms. The inception of this was around the 1950s and the 1960s, when communism was on the rise. I actually read a book on this that was really, really good. It was by Liang Heng, and he wrote about his time growing up under Mao Zedong. It's called The Son of the Revolution, if anyone's interested. I would really recommend it if you don't know a whole lot about that kind of thing, because just the way he wrote about it is really insightful. His mother was actually sent to a re-education camp, which is what they called it, for being slightly critical of the Communist Party. Like, she barely suggested that it was not a good thing but she was sent away and he even wrote like a chapter I think it was called like my new mom or something like that 
So I think, wow, yeah, yeah, it's definitely based on that. And like, I think the sent on vacation sort of thing is Avatar's equivalent to the re-education camps. That's really interesting. And we've seen a lot of aspects of Basik say based on historical Chinese things. So it definitely seems like they're pulling from that a lot. Yeah, I like this because I think there's definitely something to be said about putting this in a children's show and sort of giving children these ideas and letting them do research for themselves if they're interested in it. I think it's a really good allegory. Yeah, yeah. Like we talked about before, it's a good thing to introduce children to these ideas because I think that helps when you get older, then you are aware of things that you might not be otherwise. That was my rant. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think that's uh, really interesting. We uh, kind of end this scene with Long Feng. He kind of, he's trying to end all of this. And it did occur to me, you know, as he was speaking, I was just like, if he just showed Aang where Appa was, wouldn't this just have solved this problem? (laughs) I feel like he made it more complicated by, like, taking Appa and, like, hiding him away. I think he's using it as, like, blackmail, sort of, so that they stay away from the Earth King. I think that's, like, his big, don't go near the Earth King, don't tell him about the war. So as long as, like, he has leverage over Aang then he thinks that'll prevent them from talking to the Earth King. I guess. It just doesn't seem like a very good long-term solution. Well, he's not very good at that, so... (laughs) As we'll see in the future. Uh, Apparently not. He really is like a little finger in Game of Thrones. Oh my gosh. The comparison, yeah. He'll continue to be even more like him. We talked about this quite a lot in our Discord as well, but um, yeah, just it's worth bringing it up here too. There is definitely a comparison to be made there. Yes. We then go back to Iroh and Zuko. Mm-hmm. Iroh's being so wholesome. Just <laughs> Aww, brainstorming names. For his new tea shop. Yeah. I love the Jasmine Dragon, and I think I've heard that used elsewhere, so I think that might be what he goes for. Yeah, it is. (laughs) I thought so. That one is very good. The tea weevil is not good. But yeah, he is being really cute. Meanwhile, Zuko is complaining again. Yeah, well, he's got the flyer and I feel like Iroh tries to have a conversation with Zuko and then Zuko like completely changes the subject and is like, the Avatar. (laughs) There was no segue there. Like, (laughs) Okay, how can I make this about the Avatar? You know, he doesn't do it in a subtle way. He's just like, uncle, I found this poster. (laughs) And Ira rightfully calls him out on it. He's just kind of like, what are you going to do with this poster? What do you hope to accomplish? Yeah, what do you want? And I think this is when he first kind of tells Zuko, you know, you need to figure out what you want. Right, yeah, because Zuko's going on and on about his destiny again. And this just made me ship Iroh and Wu, Aunt Wu, more. (laughs) (laughs) That is a good ship. Because Iroh basically echoes her sentiment that she said in The Fortune Teller, like, you have the power to shape your own destiny. Yeah, that's cool. I hadn't thought about it like that, but uh, you're right. 
they would get along, I think. Zuko, unfortunately, is not taking it in as usual. Nope. No concept of consequences, but we'll talk more about that later. <laughs> yes. Because we need to go back to the gang, who are still putting out posters, I think. Yeah, they are. And now they're just pasting them to walls. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> they went from, like, just dropping them. Now they're like, you know what? If we're going to do this, we're going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are determined. And poor Toph uh, wants to help, but is having a rough time. Yeah, so they decide to split up and cover more ground, and Toph and Sokka go together, and Katara and Aang go in different directions as well. And we we follow Katara. Yes. And Katara <laughs> sees a familiar face, who she hasn't seen in a while, but we have seen fairly recently. Mm-hmm. He doesn't appear until like quite a bit into the episode. And I was in stitches over her reaction. <laughs> Uh, seeing Jet, because I remember you saying that my reaction to Jet coming back was very similar to hers, and I was like, oh my god, this is so accurate. You really are a Katara in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, she just, this is so funny, she just immediately proceeds to use her water bed. <laughs> yeah, she like, pretty much tries to drown him. Yep, yep, yep. And she doesn't even let him talk, like he's trying to say stuff, she's like, I don't care, <sighs> bye. <laughs> and it was like, Way more powerful water bending than she knew how to do. I think this is like what she wanted to do to him the first time she met him, but she didn't like have the skill level yet. Now she's a water bending master, so watch out, Jet. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, last time she just froze him to a tree. Yes. So that's pretty funny. But Jet, he's desperately like trying to reason with her, not really working. And then that's when the rest of the gang kind of shows up. Yeah, she kind of, like, pins him in an alley with her icicle spears, which is really terrifying. So funny. (laughs) Yeah, at this point he's dropped his weapons, too, so. But she, you know, when somebody betrays you, it's hard to trust them again. So everything he does, she kind of takes it as, like, oh, this is just a trick. Yeah, and I think that, especially in her case, because she did kind of have a crush on him, Mm -hmm. so I think that compounds things, because even though they weren't in a relationship, I think that it still makes the betrayal a little bit stronger, because she, like, kind of idealized him, and then that was ruined. Right, yeah. And she definitely had, like, this idea of him, of him being, like, this heroic leader, and... She kept putting her trust into him. I think it also stings because she kind of spoke for the group in that episode and was like, Mm. no, we're going to stick around. Like, we need to give Jet a chance. Like, he's a good person. And then when that ended up backfiring on her, that was like double the the pain because she also put her group in danger. And we know how she feels about that. Like... She's so protective of Sokka and Aang, so... Right, right, yeah. This is when Toph actually uses one of her powers that we hadn't seen in the show, but you had mentioned to me before, mm-hmm. which is that uh, it's... I called it her daredevil power. She listens to his heartbeat, and she's able to tell whether or not he's lying. 
And she says that he's not lying, that he really is trying to help them. And he says that he has information that could help them. Yeah, he just wants to help them find Appa. Katara's really the only one who doesn't want to give him a chance, but Aang kind of persuades her, you know, like, we need to at least let him try to lead us to Appa, because this is really the only lead we have at this point, so... Katara relents, even though she's like, I'm going to keep my eye on you this whole time. (laughs) Again, it's like me, you know, I was just like, fine, Jet can be back, but I'm keeping my eye on him. So he takes them to, I guess it's like kind of this barn where he said they had Appa, but Appa's no longer there. Yes. And there is a random guy who is sweeping the floor. (laughs) Old Sweepy. This guy uh, tells them that he's been taken away to a place called Whaletail Island. Yes. And he says he might get turned into me, which is just like, "Uh (laughs) no, thank you. Yeah, I was just this whole time. I was just like, I hope he isn't really going to Whaletail Island. Yeah. Old Sweepy (laughs) is actually an undercover Dali agent. Ah, that explains everything. Yep, he was just trying to redirect them. That would have taken them probably a month to get there. I think they say something along those lines because they have to get to the water and then go all the way to Whaletail Island, which is almost all the way back to the South Pole. Yeah, yeah. So that would have really diverted them if they actually listened to old Sweepy. (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought about him being an agent, but that does make sense. Yeah, I didn't really know about that. And then I was reading like the Lost Lore website that I found. It has like snippets from back when Nickelodeon had information about Avatar on their website when it was airing originally. And yeah, that was one of the snippets they had about old sweepy he spreads misinformation wherever and whenever long fang desires (laughs) wow wow yeah that website is very interesting and i think we had talked about in our season two wrap-up episode that we're going to go through a few of the entries from that website yeah there's some stuff that we discovered after recording the episodes of some of the characters so it'll be nice to kind of revisit that yeah, yeah. Yeah, the gang are kind of planning to go to Whaletail Island, but, you know, Sokka especially, I think, is saying, like, this is not a good idea. And while they are sort of debating, they get surprised by Smellerby and Longshot, who are very excited to see Jet again. Smellerby, uh, I thought it was really cute how she is so excited to see Jet that she gives him this big hug. I know, that was really sweet. And she's been worried about him because the, the last she saw of him, he was getting arrested and then she hasn't seen him again. Right. Yeah. That's kind of terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Also, I guess I didn't really put this in my notes, but it might be a good thing to point out is Jet said that he worked nearby the barn. So I'm wondering if like they gave him a job and like put him to work. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I think that makes sense because that would keep him busy and, like, out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, presumably they just, like, 
let him go once they needed him to do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As they are talking, well, Smellerby brings up the fact that, like, the last time we saw you, you were arrested, and Jet doesn't seem to remember any of this. No, he doesn't. And I think Katara especially is really freaked out by the fact that, like, he was with the Dai Li, and the Dai Li are not great people. <laughs> so she's automatically suspicious, like, oh, you're in on this, you're just trying to trap us under the guise that you're helping us find Appa. Right, right. But at the same time, Toph is saying, no, they're both telling the truth. Smellerby is telling the truth and so is Jet, even though they're saying opposite things. Yeah, and then Sokka, very astutely. <laughs> yes. It's like, uh, Jet's brainwashed. He thinks he's telling the truth. Yes, I love smart Sokka. Yeah, I think he put the pieces together with Judy and kind of realized, oh, that's what's going on here. It's just fun because Sokka, as we've talked about before, he is like the comic relief. And then all of a sudden he'll just be like, well, actually. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, he's just been in the background, like, piecing things together in his head. (laughs) So it's great. And then we cut away for a little bit because we go back to Zuko for a bit. Out of my way, skinny. <laughs> He's so extra all the time. That's just Zuko. We- yeah, so he has gone back to his blue spirit antics. Oh, Lord. Rebecca's like, oh. <laughs> I mean, at least this is probably the last we'll see of the blue spirit, I think. Yeah. I didn't like that he went back to this, but at least he was getting a little bit smarter with his plans. Yeah, yeah, he actually did something smart for once because he makes a little decoy of himself. Mm-hmm. The Dai Li agent actually puts a hole through this decoy, which is kind of creepy, like, if you were thinking, <laughs> is that actually Zuko? Right, yeah, he was aiming to kill there. Seriously, he's got those, like, earth fists that they have, mm-hmm. uh, and he just puts it straight through the decoy Zuko, which just turns out to be a scarecrow. And then Zuko uses this as, like, a distraction so that he can put a knife to the guy's throat. And he basically is like, hey, tell me where Appa is. (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. I think it's funny. I think Zuko actually grows a few brain cells when he puts the blue spirit mask on. (laughs) You know, that could explain it, because he did grow a few in that episode, the blue spirit episode. Right. He was actually very efficient in that episode, so... Yeah, so I think it makes sense. The source of Jet's power (laughs) is the wheat in his mouth, and the source of Zuko's power is his blue spirit mask. Speaking of the wheat. (laughs) Speaking of the wheat, they know now that um, Jet has been brainwashed, and they're trying to figure out how to bring back his memory. And there are some suggestions that do not go down well. Sokka suggests that Katara kiss him, which is like, funny in and of itself but also she never actually kissed him when they were together so how would that bring back any memories yeah it was kind of weird because it kind of implied that they kissed before and it's like no they didn't it was just Sokka teasing her yeah yeah and Aang does not like that idea (laughs) neither did Katara they were both like no (laughs) he was like that was a bad idea deadpan (laughs) just like no yeah, yeah, uh, that was pretty funny. And then Sokka attempts to put the wheat <laughs> in Chet's mouth. I love it. It's just like, 
thank you for giving us a little bit of comedy in this very dark episode. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Eventually they do manage to get somewhere. Yeah, Smellerby suggests that he think about his time when he was a child and what the Fire Nation did to his village. Yeah, yeah. And we get to see this really sad flashback of Jet when he was a little kid. <sighs> so sad. Ugh, I hate it. Yeah, it is really sad. And it's something that, like, we knew, kind of, already. But just getting a visual on it, I think, is pretty powerful. I thought it was very interesting that they specifically had the rough rhinos be the ones to burn Jet's village down. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too. And I wonder if, I mean, I think it's probably partially because they didn't create the rough rhinos until season two. So it's probably more like a narrative thing that they like want to tie everything together. But I think it works. Well, so (laughs) theory time. Katie, one of the guests we had on this podcast, Katie and I were talking about this and she said she was telling me some of the behind the scenes stuff and they were initially going to have it be Iroh who burned down Jet's village. Ah. Well, we came up with this theory that maybe Iroh was there because he does have the connection to the rough rhinos, you know, he called them old friends. Yeah, yeah. In one of the episodes. And they are were actually under his command when he was a general. So that would make a whole lot of sense as to why specifically when Jet saw Iroh firebending his tea, that like really triggered him. Because after that he was just like one track mind and couldn't let it go and maybe he repressed those memories of other people being there because all we really see is Colonel Mange and he was kind of the face of Jet's trauma but we think that maybe like seeing Iroh is what triggered Jet into his and spiraling out of control. Oh wow. (laughs) Dark stuff. (laughs) Very dark, yeah. That is a really interesting theory, uh, and I think it makes sense. I mean, I I think they definitely wanted to give us more sympathy for Iroh. Right. But it would have been interesting if they went down that route, because like we've said before, we don't know a whole lot about his time as a general, but he definitely did delight in, like, (laughs) taking bossing say, so... Yeah, I mean, I was thinking the same thing that like, oh, they probably changed it from Iroh because they wanted us to be more sympathetic of Iroh. Mm -hmm. But they did give us that flashback in Zuko alone. So they haven't shied completely away from showing us who he used to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's interesting to think about. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. (laughs) This memory, as you know, we talked about, does cause him a lot of pain. And this is when uh, Katara comes in and she uses her healing because she says, you know, maybe I can help. And I thought this was kind of funny because the way she kind of puts her hands like on either side of his face reminded me so much of Jean Grey. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, when she's doing her like telepathy thing, that's what she does in the movies. She puts her hands on like the sides of people's faces. And that just made me happy because I have compared Katara to Jean before. So (laughs) I just thought that was fun. 
And then there was another weird connection between the X-Men and this episode, which I discovered on Avatar Wiki. And I did just want to bring up very briefly because I think it's kind of funny. But there is an entry on Avatar Wiki that says that the basic plot of this episode is similar to X-Men 2. If you say so. (laughs) I disagree. X-Men 2 is one of my favorite films of all time. I will not shy away from that fact. And I can see there are certain similarities, like there's a government conspiracy, there's a guy who has part of his memory, you know, is a little fuzzy, there's some brainwashing involved. I can see some parallels, but really, it's not really the same. (laughs) Well, just the fact that, you know, it is one of your favorite movies, and you didn't make that connection until you read it on Avatar Wiki is like, okay, that's a stretch. The Jean Grey thing, I, I also think, is is pretty funny. And it, I think it's the first time that we've seen Katara use her healing powers, like, on someone's mind. Yeah, yeah, definitely. In, in a psychological way, which is very cool that it extends that far. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. And then we get this scene that's, like, very stylized. And it's very cool the way they animate Jet remembering and we catch a glimpse of Lake Laogai, which is actually quite a pretty place, even though it's kind of scary. <laughs> yes. It looks very pretty on the outside. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's the whole deal with Bossing Say, as we've said before, is like, it puts up this front of being very pretty and tranquil, and then when you peel back the layers, it's scary, so. <laughs> yeah. We actually go to Lake Laogai, right, from there. Mm-hmm, yeah, he takes them there. Toph discovers the underground because she's cool like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she just had that down in like two seconds. She was like, oh yeah, there's a tunnel. Bloop, bringing it up. Secret tunnel. (laughs) (laughs) So they go under to Lake Laogai and they see some pretty creepy things down there. (laughs) Oh my god. If there's anything more terrifying than one Judy, it's ten Judies. Oh my gosh, that was so scary. They're on a mission to get Appa, so there's no time to pause and be like, what are we seeing here? Exactly, yeah, yeah. And it turns out that they're not the only ones who have gone to Lake Laogai, because we get this very cool scene where Jet says, oh, I think they kept Appa in this place. And so they go there, but when we see the door opening on Appa, it's not them. Nope. I don't know what this trope is called. I called it the switcheroo trope. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think the most famous version of this is in The Silence of the Lambs. Have you seen that? Yeah, I have. Yeah, just once, though. I don't remember the what scene it was. So they do this with Clarice. They think that she's going to, to like this house to interview a suspect and she actually ends up at the serial killer's house, Buffalo Bill. Oh yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, so that, I don't know what the trope is called, but I really like it. I think it's a cool trope. <laughs> Switcheroo, a change, reversal, or exchange, especially a surprising or deceptive one. So I think it works. <laughs> I think it works too. Yeah, I like that. I also really like this trope. I think it's very clever and it it definitely got to me because my notes here are just, oh no, (laughs) Zuko got to Appa first. (laughs) Poor Appa. After all that that he went through, 
He's been stuck underground for weeks, and now Zuko finds him. I know, I know. It's so rude, honestly. (laughs) And then when we go back to the gang, they are also in a pretty bad situation because they have stumbled upon the Dai Li, who are hanging upside down like bats. (laughs) And I don't know why they do this, but it's very creepy. Well, you had, like, the same reaction as Sokka, who was like, well, that's different. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even notice that. Oh, my God. They're just really creepy. Just, like, everything about them evokes this sense of eeriness and dread. (laughs) Yeah, totally. That leads us into a very cool fight sequence, actually. Yeah, I thought this was very well choreographed. Yeah, I did too. And I really like how everyone gets to like fight together. I like um, Sokka and Katara fighting together. That's fun. That was cool. And you get to see the Freedom Fighters as well fighting together. And Jet's actually doing quite a good job. Long Fang is the one to initiate this fight, kind of six the daily on them. And then he's running away and getting out of there. And Aang and Jet go after him by themselves. This is when we kind of see those words come up again, right? Yep. This is when Long Fang says, the Earth King has invited you to Lake Lao Guy. Yeah, and this is why I hate Long Fang so much. <laughs> because, you know, it's bad enough to brainwash a bunch of people, but you brainwash a refugee child, and I just think that's reprehensible. <laughs> yeah. Um, absolutely. He's clearly a terrible person. Jet starts fighting Aang after this. Then we cut away again. (laughs) Yes. We cut away to Zuko continuing to be extremely possessive over airbenders. (laughs) Because he says to Appa, you're mine now. (laughs) Calm down. Because he's done this before with Aang. He said, like, the same thing. And I'm like, okay, Zuko. Cool. But then someone else comes in the room. Yes, we get Iroh. So I guess he must have followed Zuko. Yes. (laughs) This is a really cool scene, I think, because it is Iroh giving Zuko the talk I think we've all been waiting for. Yeah, I think so too. We're like, finally! (laughs) He's been so patient so far, and I think our patience has definitely been wearing thin, so... I feel like our patience ran thin back in book one, but... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we don't have uh, Iroh's wisdom. Yeah, or a familial connection to Zuko either, so... (laughs) Exactly, yeah. And more than that, you know, there's the fact that Iroh thinks of him as, like, a son. So he, I think, is very reluctant to, to call him out. But I think it's really good that he does here, even though, like, I generally don't approve of parents yelling at their kids. But I think in this instance, it is a little bit warranted because I think it's what Zuko needs to hear. Yeah, yeah. I just thought that Mako's voice acting was fantastic in this scene because it was so counter to how Iroh normally is and it was almost scary to hear him yell like that yeah because it's almost like your own like uncle or something yelling at you and like when they never do that before it's like whoa like there's a lot of conviction behind his words and I think 
that also made Zuko pay attention because it's like, okay, well, he's never lost his temper on me before, so. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things where if it's not something you do very often, um, it's kind of like cursing. I don't curse very often, and I kind of like that it means that when I do curse, I think it's a little bit more impactful. <laughs> sure. So I think it's a little bit like that. Yeah, he basically tells Zuko, like, you need to figure out, you know, who you are and what you want, which Zuko doesn't know yet. And he just keeps chasing these things that he thinks are, you know, his destiny or whatever. But he hasn't really stopped to think about, okay, like, where do I want to be? What do I want to do? Yeah, and Iroh brings up the whole, you never think about the consequences. <laughs> he even calls him out and says, you know, if it wasn't for the Avatar's friends in the North Pole, like, you would be dead right now. Right. And I think it's really important that he says that to him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, because he almost did die back then. That also makes me think that, like, Iroh has been thinking about that, and maybe that's another reason why he really abandoned this quest to help Zuko find the Avatar, because he's like, well, these kids saved my nephew's life, like, why am I gonna go after them? <laughs> oh, I like that, yeah. That could definitely be the case. We don't get a resolution to this scene immediately. Right. We just kind of leave off with Iroh he has a final word and then we don't really get to see Zuko's reaction so we don't know what Zuko's gonna do <laughs> poor Abba's just like sitting there while these two are fighting each other it's like excuse me I'm in chains here <laughs> the things Appa has seen <laughs> if, if Appa could talk oh my god well he did that one time with uh, Momo <laughs> yes he'll tell Momo all about it <laughs> Yes, yes. Momo knows all the horrors of what Alpha has seen. So we cut back to Jet and Aang who are fighting. Yeah. This is very sad. And in this moment, uh, I had talked before about how like the brainwashing thing reminded me of Bucky in The Winter Soldier. And in this moment, I feel like we kind of have Aang being the other side of that, being the Steve Rogers, because he's the one who says to Jet, like, he tries to reach out to him, like, I'm your friend. And I thought that was interesting. And then it got me on another train of thought, which is more of like a wondering, it's not really like an accusation, but I'm wondering if Aang was the best person to have in this scene to like snap Jet out of his brainwashing because even though he's a very empathetic person, which I think is a, a good reason to have him in that scene, he doesn't really have a personal connection with Jet because if we think back to the Jet episode, like he was just kind of in the background for most of that episode. He was having a good time. <laughs> he was, yeah. He was wearing the hat. He was having a good time. I was just wondering if like maybe someone like Katara or Zuko, or even Sokka, who, like, you know, Jet had a connection with at the very beginning, if that might have had a bigger impact in this moment. And uh, I was just wondering what you thought about that. Yeah, you did make me think. <laughs> Which is always good. <laughs> yeah, so I just thought about how I think Aang's greatest strength as a friend is his affirmation. And so I don't know that anyone else besides, like, Jet's immediate group of friends, would have had 
the wherewithal to appeal to his sense of freedom because that's the thing that Jet values the most in life and that's what really breaks him out of the trance when Aang says, you know, you're a freedom fighter, they can't make you do this. You know, Katara is someone who really appeals to the heart and that's what Aang was trying to do before, you know, he was saying like, this isn't in your heart, like you're a good person. But it was Jet's value of freedom that brought him out of the brainwashing. And I think that Aang is very intuitive about that kind of thing. There's also like this beauty to it as well, him being an airbender and air is the element of freedom. So I think he recognized that in Jet and that's why I think he was a good person to be in that scene. Yeah, I like that. He might be better in a sense because he is a bit more removed and so he could see things from like an outsider's perspective. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking about it as I was watching. I was like, it's an interesting choice to have Aang in this scene, particularly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He does trigger, as you said, when he says, you know, you're a freedom fighter, he triggers all of these, like, memories that kind of flash in Jet's head. Yeah, that's when I start sobbing. (laughs) Aww. I thought it was interesting that there's a lot of Katara memories in there. Mm -hmm. The impression that I got was that he wasn't super into Katara, that he was just kind of leading her on. Yeah, same. Yeah, so it's interesting that, you know, he does seem to have those memories quite close to his heart, I guess. And then there's also a Zuko one in there, I noticed. (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) Jetco lives on. (laughs) And then also there are the Freedom Fighters, which I think is, you know, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I thought that was cool. And of course, he thinks about his his family and how he lost his family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. After he gets his memories back, he goes after Long Fang and he throws one of his hooks at him, but this does not turn out good. <laughs> no, because Long Fang uh, earthbends and looks like hits him square in the chest, I think. Yeah. He falls on his back on the ground. Mm hmm. And then Long Fang just pieces out like the coward that he is. Uh, he'll get his comeuppance in a bit. And this is when everyone else kind of comes rushing in. They realize that Jet is pretty badly hurt. And he probably has some bad internal organ damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Katara even tries healing him right away. And she knows, like, there's really nothing she can do for him. Mm-hmm. They also are trying to, they still have to find Appa, and then there's the fact that Long Feng just left. They're being encouraged to leave, but they kind of don't want to because they're worried about Jet and if he's going to be okay. And uh, we get to hear Longshot speak for the first time. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you know, he's our leader. We'll take care of him. You guys go do what you need to do. Yeah, yeah. Jet tells Katara that he's going to be okay. And I think he's also trying to get her to leave at that point. Yeah. So, But as they are walking away, Toph says that he's lying. Yeah. And then I start crying again. <laughs> I did not cry during this scene and now I feel like a monster. <laughs> no, you're not a monster. And I don't know why. I was th- trying to think about why. I Because I cried like 
in other scenes in the show. I cried a lot in the the finale of season one, and the UA uh, of it all really affected me. The fish dying affected me. <laughs> but I don't know what it is about Jet. I think watching it just the once, I just don't think I have enough investment at sure. this point in his character. Whereas I think if I go back and watch it again, like you did, then I would probably feel differently because right from the beginning, I would know like this character has a very tragic journey that they're going to go on. Right. Yeah. And he does like eventually redeem himself, I would say. So for you, it's like you watch that arc in real time and you have no idea what's coming. So Yeah. Yeah. I was sad, I will say. Right, yeah. <laughs> It's not like I was, like, dancing because Jet died. And, you know, it might also just be a personal thing because at the end of the day, things affect people in different ways because of particular reasons. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about uh, last episode about that scene of Aang and Appa really affecting both of us because mm-hmm. we have pets, right? Sometimes there are certain personal connections that you make with characters that can particularly affect how you view that particular scene. Maybe it's just that I didn't make that connection this time that I watched it. Yeah, and like I said before, I never really cared about Jet until this watch-through, so (laughs) it could just take a couple of watch-throughs to really connect to his character for certain people. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's fun, too, is, uh, I think, you know, being able to rewatch things and seeing how you change. The example that I uh, often give is that I used to watch Dumbo a lot when I was a kid, and I never cried in Dumbo. It was just a movie that I used to watch a lot. And then I remember watching it as an adult, and the scene when his mother is sticking her trunk Mm -hmm. out of the cage and is cradling him, I just broke down into sobs. (laughs) And I was just like, huh, this never affected me like that when I was a kid. So I I think that, you know, your path in life can also affect how you view things. Oh, yeah. And now that you've said that, it makes me think about how I've mentioned this before, but freedom is something that I've come to really value a lot more over the past couple of years. And that's really what Jed is all about. So I definitely have more of a connection to him. Yeah, so goodbye, Jet. We don't actually get to see him die. Thank God. <laughs> but I mentioned that because I read that there has been a little bit of controversy about that because some people were like, oh, that means he's not really dead. He's definitely dead. Yeah. And there's a joke about that in the Ember Island players i've heard this yes 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 i i did hear about that yeah we leave him the the rest of the gang well the whole gang they go to go after long feng i guess yeah they resurface (laughs) and the daily is waiting for them as as well as long feng and they're about to you know start another battle but then (laughs) (laughs) then we get a happy moment because guess who comes back yay Ah, Yeah, this was really nice. I really liked his return. It was very triumphant. And it was nice that it was like on the beach in like the middle of the day because it was very bright and, you know, it just made everything like... It's actually, I'm just piecing this together now, but it's a big contrast between the dungeons 
of Lake Laogai mm. and then when Appa comes back like in the sunlight outside because it's very dark in Lake Laogai. Yes, and Appa just takes out everyone, which is what he always does. <laughs> we love to see it. We love to see it. And then Appa yeets Long <laughs> across the lake like a skipping stone, which is just so funny. What he deserved. <laughs> <laughs> to note that where Appa kind of picks Long Fang up by the leg, that comes back, so. Oh, interesting. So, like, maybe Long Fang's leg is injured or something? Something like that. <laughs> okay, okay. That is interesting. Yeah, I'm assuming we'll, we will see Long Fang again, unfortunately. Yeah. He's not dead, so. <laughs> but he is yeeted off into <laughs> the distance. And then we have a really sweet reunion. Which is like everyone, because they weren't really able to process the fact that Appa was back (laughs) because he was busy doing some stuff. But everyone just runs up to Appa. I love that Sokka just like dives into his fur. (laughs) It's so cute. (laughs) Yeah, this made me cry again. (laughs) Because Aang is like basically crying tears of joy that he's reunited with Appa, which is so sweet. (laughs) Yeah, and he says, I missed you, buddy. When they all hop on Appa's back as well, they all have a big group hug. Well, they we do have this little shot of Katara, and she's tearing up. I think, you know, she's thinking about Jet and how he basically sacrificed himself. And I like the little gesture of reassurance where Aang puts his hand on her shoulder and then brings her into the hug. I thought that was very sweet. Oh, that's nice. I like the little moments between them. They're very cute. Yes, and so, you know, that's a really nice ending for the gang for now. Not a good ending for Jet, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. We didn't mention that his last scene that we see him, where Longshot readies his bow and arrow as if he's going to, like, fight off, I think, anyone who comes Yeah. close. And um, Smeller B is stroking Jet's hair. She's trying to hurt me. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, I just added a little bit of extra pain for you right there at the end of the episode. But there's one more thing. (laughs) Yeah. Which is we find out the reason why Appa showed up in the first place, because last we saw Appa, he was in chains. So, what happened? Wow, Zuko did something good. (gasps) (laughs) Not as much of a jerk as you could have been. I understood that reference. (laughs) He did do something good for once. He freed Appa, as it turns out. Mm-hmm. Yes. Iroh seems very proud of him. He has the blue spirit mask in his hand, and Iroh's like, you know, like, it's time to let this go. I agree. And then uh, Zuko throws this blue spirit mask into the water. It's time for Zuko to stop compartmentalizing and face up to his true self. You have to figure out who you actually are. So I think that's a good ending for Zuko. I'm actually happy that he is, you know, done something good. Good for him. And then I also wanted to note, uh, as like a final thing, that this episode apparently won the Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Individual Achievement in Animation. Mm. I mean, I can see why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do think this episode was animated very beautifully. Yeah, it is a a very solid episode, I think. It's got, you know, a lot of good things. We are ramping up to the end of season two. We are. We're getting there. (laughs) Are we ready to pick our MVP of this episode? All right. 
Jet is probably a candidate. Yeah, he's my choice. Zuko potentially could be a candidate too, but he didn't do that much. (laughs) Well, I feel like, you know, if Iroh hadn't shown up. Yeah, you're right, you're right. So, yeah, I think that Jet is probably the best candidate. He really redeemed himself and he fought back against the people who tried to take away his freedom. So I think he deserves it. Yeah, wow, I never thought I'd be giving an MVP title to Jet. <laughs> okay, Katara. <laughs> That's her at the end of the episode. I never thought I'd be crying over Jet. <laughs> we have a very Jet-centric episode. Because, like, the poem was about Jet that I wrote, and then, uh, spoiler alert, our Ember Island playlist. Both are about Jet. <laughs> okay, so do you want to share your pick first? Okay. I picked for my playlist Control by Halsey. I just thought the lyrics fit really well. It's basically about somebody wrestling in their mind about things that are going on and they're struggling and some of the lyrics are I sat alone in bed till the morning I'm crying they're coming for me and I tried to hold these secrets inside me my mind's like a deadly disease I'm bigger than my body I'm colder than this home I'm meaner than my demons I'm bigger than these bones Uh, the chorus goes all the kids cried out please stop you're scaring me I can't help this awful energy God damn right, you should be scared of me. Who is in control? Honestly, the whole song is very fitting, I think, for Jet. And it also has this very eerie vibe. So that's my pick. I agree. I think that's a very good song for Jet. Yeah, the vibe definitely fits too. Listen to it if you haven't already and you'll see what we mean. (laughs) How about you? Um, It's kind of funny because the name of my song is in the lyrics for Control. (laughs) So I picked Bigger Than My Body by John Mayer. For this song, I actually came up with it partially because it is a song that I used to listen to a lot when I was an angsty teenager. (laughs) And so I thought that like to get into the Jet mindset, I would go into the angsty teenager (laughs) mindset. And I do think it fits Jet pretty well um, in kind of a sad way part of the lyrics are yes i'm grounded got my wings clipped i'm surrounded by all this pavement guess i'll circle while i'm waiting for my fuse to dry and this reminded me of jet in Barsing say because he's you know grounded he's no longer like in the treetops with his friends surrounded by all this pavement and he's kind of lost and doesn't really know what to do and then uh there is a section Uh, Later on, it's actually the bridge of the song, which is Maybe I'll tangle in the power lines and it might be over in a second's time But I'll gladly go down in a flame if a flame's what it takes to remember my name (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry I don't even like John Mayer (laughs) I also do not like any other songs by John Mayer (laughs) literally the only song that line or that part of it made me think about you know jet's demise ultimately okay Uh, i should have picked a really happy song for arpa's reunion (laughs) we have another episode coming up next week are we in for more crying next week yeah actually the end of this one makes me cry um (laughs) but like in a good way okay so next week's episode is the earth king and it's like 
wow, we're finally going to meet him after all this time. Yeah, you know, it was really funny because I remember not long after we watched the Avatar reunion, they were going to get to Ba Sing Se, and I was like, oh, the Earth King guy was in um, the Avatar reunion. I was like, oh, I'll get to meet him next episode. <laughs> no. Nope. <laughs> Actually, four to eight weeks. Accurate for us. <laughs> We get to meet the Earth King, finally, and really this episode, it's about, like, okay, we finally found Appa, so what are our next steps? Well, we came to Ba Sing Se in the first place to get this information about the eclipse to the Earth King, and they are determined to make this happen. (laughs) Yes, and they've already decided that they are past asking for permission, so... Yes. (laughs) And... You know, we're also going to catch up with Zuko, who has done approximately one good thing in his entire life, and (laughs) I'm just kidding, that's a hyperbole, but Zuko struggles. (laughs) He lost all of his brain cells when he sent the blue spirit mask down the river, so. Damn it, I didn't think about that. Yeah, he's got to regrow them. All right, well, good luck with that, Zuko. (laughs) If you want to uh, regrow some brain cells, maybe don't go on Twitter, but, you know, maybe going on our Twitter specifically might help you because our Twitter is great. Our Twitter is at Ember Sayers. Um, you can find us there where we post um, fun things. We recently weighed in on a debate about Bato of the Water Tribe. <laughs> And we also have the link there to our Discord server if you would like to join us and uh, chat about Avatar stuff. We also have an email, emberislandsayers at gmail.com, where you can send us any long-form comments or reviews, and we will read them out on the podcast, unless you don't want us to. We are available on multiple platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, or even if you don't, we would love it if you would give us a rating and a review, because this really helps other people find the show. And we just want to talk to other people. And with that, I will tell everyone to stay freedom fighting. Aww. Stay freedom fighting. (laughs) I just don't know what the ship name would be called because... (laughs) Wooro! Remember who you are. Ursa. It's a bear!